What are you studying? Computer science. Oh, very cool. Very yeah, cool. yeah. Um, a lot of good um, computer science Marxists out there. You love to see it. Yeah, and then you've got others like Paul Cockshot. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about Cockshot on stream the other day. Apparently, I always thought of Paul Cockshot as A, a transphobe. Mm -hmm. uh, because that's the most I've really encountered him on Twitter. But it, that's a that's a very standard uh, British disease uh, to oh, have. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what in the but, water they put here to do that. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> it all, I think the fish rots from the head, and the head is J.K. Rowling. <laughs> but um, no, I also know Cockshot as like the Marxist cybernetics guy, you know, the dude who's seriously trying to put together receipts for the cook shops of the future. Um, but apparently Paul, who, you know, we're recording now, so if you don't listen to the stream, folks, uh, or watch the stream on Twitch, uh, my co-host Paul is very knowledgeable and also a computer guy. And he says that Cockshot is known mostly not for even his Marxism, but because he designed a, uh, a novel image compression algorithm or something. Is that right? Oh, I don't know about his actual computer science work, to be honest. That is probably something I should look into, uh, being a computer scientist. But yeah, no, I, I only know him because, um, well, originally I knew him because he was popular on Lefty Poll back in like 2016 mm -hmm. um, as like, oh, this guy proved the economic calculation problem is, is false and kind of thing, which which is kind of cool. Um, Sure. Uh, you know, uh, and he has some interesting papers about that, and, and something I'd always like to throw out in my uh, debates against reactionaries and stuff. Like, there's there's this famous line I I, I fear, not that famous, but like it was a big deal at the time of um, when I had a debate with Sargon of Akkad, and uh, oh. I said, "Here's a paper which proves you can run the economy on on like a Dell computer from the 2000s." <laughs> 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 yeah. um, what did he think about that? Uh, I don't think he knew what to make out of that. Um, event, but eventually it turned into a meme. It's like, so he was trying to argue about the, uh, you know, practicality of that. And he's like saying, so when we go to the, to the, uh, the, the, the all knowing omnipotent Dell computer to ask what to mm. do with the economy and stuff like that. And, you know, <laughs> um, uh, so that, that, that was funny, but, uh, yeah, no, Wasn't so that like the plot of a uh, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. <laughs> <didn't they have? laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, just uh, Paul Paul Cockshot and um, Douglas Adams crossover or something. <laughs> so do yeah. some some uh, some whimsical, funny cybersyn type action, folks. Um, I'm assuming this was a cold open, so I'm uh, assuming you heard all of our little bands there. This is Sean, of course, from the Antifada solo episode today. It is me, and I am proud to welcome our computer scientist. Uh, dare I say bread tuber? Because you mentioning Sargon of Akkad, which is a name that I hadn't heard in years, kind of reminded me that uh, you are within, if not bread tube itself, which is rather cringe these days, you are within the uh, left YouTuber orbit. Uh, we are talking, of course, with Mook, who has the channel that I cannot pronounce. Welcome. Hi. Yeah, no one can, can pronounce it, uh, but that's the point, you know. Uh, okay. So that's okay. Um, Mission accomplished. X-E-X-I-Z-Y. Zexzies? Zexzies is one. I tend to gravitate towards Zexzies. Uh, but it's really, it, it, it's it's quite, you know, postmodern, really. Uh, th there is no true way to pronounce it. It's however you interpret mm. the pronunciation is how it's pronounced. That's great. <laughs> well, I feel I feel so valid right now. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I could just throw anything out there. Mm. It's beautiful stuff. Um, yeah, you and me have worked for a little bit to get you on the show, and I'm super hyped for it. Uh, we ran into your video again on stream one time. Somebody in chat was like, hey, check out this great video. And it was you uh, debunking the, um, the Richard Wolf video about how uh, labor is theft, right? Yeah, yeah, that was a fun video. Uh, Richard Prophet Wolf and uh, Hakeem. And it, was, key, it was a double right? takedown. <laughs> so you got both like the uh, the co-op 
uh, what would you call it, Richard Wolff? The co-op Marxists and the Marxist Leninists. You the sock you dems found... and the sock dems. Oh. Sock dems and the sock dems. <laughs> folks, folks, we We're are getting spicy already. Doing <laughs> spicy left com discourse today uh, on this episode. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, I don't know some current events. Uh, we're going to talk about some light theoretical stuff uh, because a lot of your uh, videos, which are really great and very well produced and presented. Oh, yeah, yeah uh, thank you. Uh, a lot of them are dealing with uh, the crux of Marxist theory uh, and its application and also debunking various vulgarizations of it or maybe certain um, truths passed down from the from the 20th century to us and trying to kind of recover what's useful um, from a Marxist critique. So super hyped to have you here, man. Thanks. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm uh, hyped to be on. I mean, actually, I I caught you guys uh, watching that Richard Wolf video on stream. Uh, I, I think someone linked it to me or something. And I was just like, oh, I, I know these guys. Like, I, I know them on Twitter <laughs> and they're, they're watching my video. That, that, that's really cool. Uh, so, no, I'm, I'm excited to be on. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, tell us, I mean, I kind of introed your project a little bit, but tell us a little bit about how you started it, what you intended to do, maybe your background politically and stuff like mm. that. Um, go ahead. Give us a little rundown sure, of the yeah. unpronounceable YouTube channel. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, God, um, well, you brought up BreadTube, but I'm actually really, I'm pre-BreadTube actually so 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 i prefer to think of myself as i just left tube you know not that any of it really has any meaning of course but if we're gonna get you know semantics uh but sure. i started in uh the, the very start like january of 2016 so oh my god it's been like six years now that's mm. wow all right uh sorry that just hit me on the spot but anyway um <laughs> <laughs> what if the time dilation of covid just lasts forever yeah <laughs> what if it always has been um, but no, I, so I, I started it just because um, I'm just one of those people who really likes putting my content out there and, uh, you know, uh, trying to build up uh, a follow base of various things. Like, you know, before that, uh, I, I would play video games on Twitch and stream that and stuff. So it's just something I've always gravitated towards. So, you know, after I was into politics for like five minutes, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll make a politics YouTube channel. How hard can it be? Um, and if anybody happens to remember me from back then, uh, it, it, that was a horrible decision because I had no idea what I was talking about. Um, and uh, I, I has have evidence learned... <laughs> been erased from the internet, or are uh, your um... most of those videos are unlisted? Uh, a select few could could still see them if they wanted. But uh, well, folks, yeah. <laughs> stick around for the bonus episode yeah. <laughs> where we're going to ruthlessly critique 2016 move. Actually, no, I, do I would stick find that around a lot for of fun, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it could be clarifying, honestly. Yeah. But uh, actually, do stick around because if we have time, we're going to dunk on um, maybe some Leninists, hmm. one of our fun pastimes here. <laughs> uh, but sorry, go on, go on. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I've, I've learned a lot since then. Um, one nice thing about having the channel is that I started very uneducated, but having the channel was kind of like a impetus and like a, a drive to get more educated and read more things because uh, it's like oh you know I, I can read about this and then i can make a video about it that's that's so cool but anyway um i i, I but you know eventually i i just started like oh yeah you know i want to um get all the i want to get all my ideas into one place i want to refute the common talking points that i always have to deal with when i'm arguing on forums on twitter or, or whatever and and make and and, and have the definitive statement on, on these arguments and that in a sense actually still is what i try to do on my channel now is uh you know, just when I'm constantly arguing uh, with fucking Vosh or someone on Twitter right. and, and I want to, like, um, condense down what I think the matter of the issue is, I, I'm just like, yeah, I, I can make that a video. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, I, I saw that in 2016 and uh, I just kind of kept doing it for years and years for some reason and I just never stopped. So <laughs> it's, it's just a little project I've had for a while, but... It, it's been loads of fun and I've met loads of really cool people for it. Um, and in terms of uh, where I've kind of taken it from there, as I've refined it more and more, I, I have gone from more of just like, oh, I just want to put out content for the sake of it to like, oh, I want to actually serve a specific aim almost within what I see as the, the online left community. Um, and as I've learned more about Marxism, that's been more and more I want to give a more clarified 
understanding of Marxism that a lot of people may not get through other leftists, like be it um, more sock dem types, like the actual bread tube, like ContraPoints and uh, right. Philosophy Tube or whoever, like no hate against them. But I think we can obviously agree that you're not getting the best, the highest quality edu leftist education from them all the time. So uh, right. serving as a kind of, um, well, actually some people have put it before as like, they're kind of like the, the gateway uh to, to the, the beginning of the pipeline as it were and i'm i'm more towards the end of the pipeline so it's like you know we've got that alt-right pipeline thing going on but yeah. for leftists and uh i'm i'm richard spencer or something i guess so. <laughs> <laughs> you're at the very very end of the human centipede that yeah. is uh left online media yeah, well, yeah. I, it sounds like you're eating well so that's something <laughs> it's, yeah it's not that bad yeah uh, so yeah, basically, I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to get these people who are like on this edge of being radicalized and really take them the full way. But then as well, there's the other end of that where it's like, well, what about the other people who also uh, pose themselves from that very radical position, um, like you know, Marxist-Leninists as as a prime example. You know, I, I want to try and show why I have problems with them, explain to people why they're bad, and and why my ideas are good. You know, <laughs> classic <laughs> to be classic. blunt about it. You know um yeah. so so that's kind of yeah i guess over the years i've gone more and more from like critiquing centrists or the right or whatever to more and more just focusing on other leftists which uh you know um but but i, I for me that's where the most interesting discussions are anyway is, is when everyone's at least working on some base level like i don't want to constantly be re-explaining the bare basics definitions of, of communism all the time i know that can be right, great for content right. if you're like a streamer or something but uh I, no, there's, I don't know. <laughs> there's plenty of people that do that and, exactly i'm, you know, I'm letting you, someone else gonna cover that one you know <laughs> yeah totally i mean it's very easy to be um brought into the sort of general ideas and and rhetoric or whatever but the people that um you know uh take social change seriously um definitely hmm. at the end of the human centipede you're there to kind of bring them deeper into uh theory and critique so that's a great thing how about your um your own political journey. So 2016 is kind of a, a banner year. It's uh, It was eight years after, of course, the great uh, financial crisis. Eight years into a uh, global depression that I would argue that we're still in. And of course, also a hallmark year because um, I think Corbyn had came, come up in 2015, right? Something like that. Uh, or sounds about something right. like yeah. that. And of course, uh, 2016 was Bernie Sanders' um Meteor, meteoric rise to um, to politics in the United States. So very, very interesting and mm. fertile time, I think, for a lot of people. And, oh, yeah. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people obviously trace their roots in this whole milieu back to that point. So It's always pre and post 2016, right? Like, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it, was a, it was a huge shockwave, you know, even though what actually came out of it on both sides of the Atlantic is very, very, very much a mixed bag. Um, you know, obviously, this is a changing point for all of us. So how... Uh, you know, what, what happened in 2016 for you and where have you progressed since that time? Well, okay, in terms of where I like started, started, I think I might have been, God, like, yeah, 16. And I, uh, I, I took a fucking online political compass test <laughs> and it put me in libertarian socialist. And I was like, what are either of those things <laughs> um and then i just started oh sweet summer child <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then i just started learning about both of them and i'm like yeah that seems cool um and i you know learned more and more eventually i started like uh, you know back then uh, i had so much more energy than i do now i could just argue with people about politics all day and and right. and i could just keep going and i i don't know what happened to to that naive child but <laughs> yeah. um, i mean perhaps the the unchanging nature of the problem and the lack of translation into the real world uh beat you down like it did so maybe, many other maybe. people yeah maybe, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but you know so so i i enjoyed just kind of yeah getting down in the mud on on twitter and, and even 4chan and stuff um arguing with fucking nazis about communism is you know like really yeah you know, um the most useless endeavors but still uh but eventually yeah. i think it's 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 useful i think for people who are just getting into things and people who are younger because it can help them also clarify so it's useful for me totally good yeah. yeah 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 definitely and and it was that kind of it was that kind of thing that then drew me 
towards starting to think about a YouTube channel because it's like, wow, I, I talk about this stuff so much now and uh, it would be cool, again, if I could have one centralized place where I have all of these arguments that I've fleshed out in a refined manner and then I can just link people to these videos and, and surely that will be the end of the argument. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, and that, that's not how it went, obviously, but you know, people just, uh, <laughs> they ignore your videos. It's awful. It's, it, it's uh, yeah, but... <laughs> Well, I um, mean, you have uh, a, a great, and, and I think we, we want to talk about this maybe in the bonus, but you have that great uh, video about the, the supermarket of online ideas, uh, how so many people enter into the online milieu, and it's about a um, like a scroll tab of uh, yes. tendencies yeah. that you choose, and then uh, you find your one, and you find you know, various different arguments that you can make from that position, various historical moments, you know, important moments that you can then argue about. You can argue about Kronstadt for, for mm. years. Oh, God, and people do, I mean, right? As it turns yeah. out, we've been doing it for a century. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, so I was kind of getting to that in terms of, like, where I ended up within my journey of Marxism specifically kind of thing. And actually... So yeah, the reason I spoke about that example in, in that video, which is one of my favorite videos I've, I've made, by the way. It's um, a great so video. I, I'd love to talk about that a bit later because uh, uh, yeah, uh, that one's special to me. But um, so the reason I brought that example up is because yeah, that's what happened to me is um, when, when I took that political compass test and I looked up the word socialism, uh, r slash socialism was one of the first things I found. And mm. I started trying to absorb information from there. And yeah, you have all of these different people labeling themselves in different ways. Like, yeah, we're Leninists, we're Marxist Leninists, we're anarchists, blah, blah, blah. We're Luxembourgists. And I was thinking, God, that's the most obscure shit in the world. I never even heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> Luxembourg is a very small country, man. It's hard to stand it that hard. There's, there's not even that much going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, th now this, this is actually really dumb. I guess... I, I like to think what could have been uh, if, if this didn't happen and I, on a heartbeat, fell into something else. But the reason I started out as calling myself a Leninist was because I saw a post on our socialism of like one of the mods describing that why they were Leninists very briefly. It's like, yeah, we're Leninists because we think there needs to be a transition between capitalism and socialism. And I just thought... I guess that makes sense. I'll call myself a Leninist then. <laughs> and I God, I just I just wonder sometimes like, God, what what if they were anarchists and that was the first thing I read? Like, where would I be now? Um, yeah, sure. I would have been one of those annoying anarchist left comms instead of one of the annoying Leninist <laughs> left comms. But <laughs> it's also like historically conditioned too, right? Because um, you know, when I got into stuff, it was uh the mid nineties and so there wasn't huge online stuff obviously because online wasn't that big mm. you had aol you put the cd in and you know you dialed up a whatever baud rate uh, modem that you had and you went on and uh so crime think you know and that sort of insurrectionary post-situationist anarchist stuff uh you know animal rights anti-wto was sort of the default position at that point in time. And I, I think that that has changed a lot historically, even though those people are still around. But situationally, this is what, 2016, 2017 you're talking about? So you were, no, you were would, already this would have been seeing, 2015, actually. 2015. Yeah, so yeah. we were already seeing at that point in time, like, uh, I don't know, uh, a, a newer grab bag of ideas out there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe even 2014, God. But anyway, yeah, no, totally. Um, yeah, but uh, so, so so that's that's how I kind of broke into socialism and, and, and started to get a vague idea of like what's what and what will the terms mean and stuff. And uh, um, but then by the time I had my channel going, by the time I was actually getting serious about these things, I guess the biggest turning point for me was when I started to question Leninism specifically. And mm. this is something we wanted to talk about today, I remember. Um, and again, it's something that is brought up in that supermarket video a lot as well. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's when like I always had the I took it for granted that like yeah like Lenin Leninism is Marxism like it's the basically the same thing and Lenin had everything in order and, and, and right and blah 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 and that's all good because I've got God I mean most of the people you end up talking to are either Stalinists or Trotskyists anyway and all of they right. all agree they're just arguing about who's interpreting Lenin more correctly but they all agree right. that like Lenin is great and stuff um so yeah but but when I started to realize like oh wait a minute like maybe there are some differences here and then looking into what Marx specifically went further with and, and, and what those, uh, 
differences were it, it kind of opened up a, a whole new world for me in a way you know uh, it really made me start to think about and look at socialism much differently and it really comes down to that like that transition from seize the means of production to free time and nothing else kind of thing you know oh, oh. <laughs> which yeah. is somehow uh, a very controversial position these days uh, mm. as it mm. turns out uh let's uh back away from that for one second and let's try to um to to maybe like um instrumentalize these things um we've got pure chaos right now mm. i mean it, it feels like anyways you're over in the uk and I'm going to ask you about um, what society and politics looks like over there. So maybe take a couple deep breaths before that. But, it's grim. Uh, it's so grim. It, it seems <laughs> grim. And it's it's obviously very grim here. I mean, no laughing matter, the um, massive inflation and the mass shootings and the kind of uh, closure seemingly of any sort of emancipatory um, political future uh, in the mainstream in the United States. It's a very, very dark time. So maybe, maybe answer this question, which is, given your uh, where you've come from and and the work that you've done, trying to clarify things. How do you feel like um, with current events and and whatnot today? Um, how does how does what you talk about and what you think? How does that help you understand the world? say politics in the UK or what's happening right now at this current moment globally that's a that's a big question <laughs> big question you can you can uh, you can kind of narrow it down if you'd like so how, how, how does my worldview help me think about the world uh, as, as it stands I mean well okay so so to overview overview Britain and, and where we're at so I, yeah it, it's not great uh since corbyn lost in 2019 it's just basically been the end of british politics for the foreseeable future because we don't really have a whole lot else like going on on the ground i mean okay that let me put a big asterisk next to that and come back to that later but mm -hmm. but like in terms of like conventional politics the labor party is a mess uh they obviously they they've tried to reorientate by putting up keir starmer who is just the most useless man in the world and um seems that way yeah, yeah. And, and and complete um puppeteer of of the uh, or uh, of the uh blairites like it, they're they're using him to expunge the corbinites and what's great is that he bends over backwards for them and it's still never enough uh, right, he's still yeah. constantly under scrutiny by these people like because he's trying to keep them happy but he's just uh, it can't be done because he just can't actually win anything it's um you know i mean based on the 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 travesty of of uh, the the Tory government and what they've been doing in their terms their last term so far under Boris, he should be having a field day, but he's yeah. just so ineffectual and so powerless. It's uh, it, it, it's really useless. But what's really depressing is that I know at the back of my head uh, that regardless of how much Boris fucks up, and even if overnight the media actually started uh, scrutinizing Boris for any of the horrible things he does. Uh, you know, not even just uh, his mishandling of, of, of the pandemic and stuff, but even the really, mm -hmm. like, overt shit. Like, this, uh, I, I don't need to be keeping up with this um, Partygate s scandal thing. Oh, what it, what is that? I haven't, uh, to be honestly, I, honest, I kind of clued out of, uh, of UK politics a while ago. I don't blame ago, you. I'm, I'm yeah. doing the same, mostly, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> From the other side yeah yeah, yeah. um but no so what's during, the party gate during i think it was the second lockdown or something i don't know the exact dates but during one of the hard lockdowns like nobody's leaving the house or whatsoever uh basically boris and a bunch of other tory mps and people in in, in cabinet and stuff held a party at 10 downing street and Oof. they were sending out emails uh like inviting people down and like bring your own beer and stuff like that <laughs> and, and they were just straight up they were just having a good time and they didn't give a fuck like while the rest of the country was in complete lockdown while you know people couldn't see their loved ones while they were dying because of lockdown oh, yeah. uh you know people having their their livelihoods decimated things like that these politicians who who had put us in this position in the first place were off having a party and then this got leaked there was an outrage about it um and it was the first time so far actually that uh, anyone's even seen some flair from Keir Starmer um like people were actually a bit surprised like oh he does have balls <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> well i mean this there. is 
like the the this is such a perfect metaphor for yeah. like an out of touch and and corrupt um elite yeah you know that even somebody that, like right? starmer right. could just hand it to you on a silver platter yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah um he there was talk at one point about boris resigning over this but he got away with just a fine um and it's just like it's just this reminder that like yeah no he he can basically do anything it doesn't even matter and what's fucked up is that um you know, come the next general election, nobody's going to remember or care about this either. But right. what's even worse about all of that is that even if people did, even if people did decide, you know, the Tories are awful, they have to go, we can only get Keir Starmer to replace them, which mm. is just useless. It, 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 Like, you know, I know this is a cliche to say, oh, both parties are the same kind of thing, and this is a very sensitive thing in America especially, mm. but I don't think people realize just how bad labor are now there are there are actually some issues where the tories are more left-wing than labor like there was mm. one point of, uh, i think a year ago or so where uh the tories had introduced like higher corporation tax for one reason or another and labor was opposing it <laughs> it's just you can't make it up and th this doesn't even uh touch on obviously the massive transphobia that you get in uh labor. oh yeah obviously you know the tories are no friends of trans people themselves but I, I, I almost am tempted to say that with Labour, you have a higher chance of them going out of their way to persecute trans people, you know? Mm, I, maybe mm. that's unfounded, but I'm sure people can understand where I'm coming from with that. Like, there are some serious brainworms in a lot of, like, high-up Labour members, um, like the J.K. Rowling types, you know? These are the yeah, people... Yeah. J.K. Rowling is the, the type of people that Keir Starmer represents, really. Uh, so you can see why... Yeah, like, if you were a trans person, you would be kind of worried about current Labour getting into power. Um, sure. So it's like, so, so even, even if uh, Boris and, and the Tories were voted out, it's like, well, what do we get instead? Just basically more of the same. And, and that's why it's so depressing. And, and, you know, at least as it looks like right now, you're not going to get another Corbyn-style uh, candidate even have the chance to do anything for another, like, 10 years or something. So that's why I'm saying, like, yeah, no, I've basically tuned out from parliamentary politics in the UK because it, it just seems so useless and so hopeless. Not only do the Tories have a stranglehold on public opinion and they can get away with murder and no one cares, but even if they couldn't, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> just, right, right. Um, and what, and, and, and uh, this is always very, it, it's difficult to do, like, a one-to-one, -one, but, like, what various uh, class fractions or factions now do labor and tories line up into so is it still a sort of like uh brexit type divide where the tories are more like national industry like anti-europe and the um and and finance whereas labor is like what, international capital and I, I know this is tough but uh yeah that's very tough i mean i don't think we really have that type same type of rhetoric that nationalist rhetoric really um i think tories are very much about like oh yeah we need to get international trade deals going especially now that we are out of brexit and, and we don't have that access through the eu uh like that's one of the big things they've been going on about is that we need to you know get the economy going again with international trade and blah 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 so i don't think they have any problem with that the closest they would get is probably some uh putin style nationalism where it's mm -hmm. like nationalist lip service but neoliberal politics and or and e economics type things not right, politics right, right. as much but yeah um that that kind of uh dynamic there uh and, and as I labor it's sorry no no yeah go on i was gonna ask about uh like the the I don't know, the degeneration of labor, which was always a very uh, conflictory uh, organization with a lot of tensions within it. But yeah, go on and, and tell us your take on labor. Well, what yeah, I mean, there. as labor as it sounds right now, they're, again, they're pretty much the same. Like, I, I feel if they were in power, they'd be doing, trying to do pretty much anything the Tories are currently doing as far as the economy and uh, international trade goes and, and things like that. Um, yeah, and, yeah I, and, as far as I know. Why, <laughs> Yeah, and why is that, right? Because we've seen um, we've seen this across um, the developed capitalist core, uh, this sort of convergence and, and, a, and a certain like um, hollowing out of the center, uh, a feeling. You know, I've been pointing this out for a while. Um, the, a feeling that the the ruling class, such as it exists, not just the capitalists but also those who represent their interests in government or whatever, seem to be fundamentally out of ideas, which mm. or, or out of a way of this particular crisis that we're in right now. Uh, that's one way that I would um, 
you know, try to to get at this sort of degeneration of politics and emptying out of it. But what's your take on it? God, well, I think uh, most most politicians right now aren't concerned about trying to, uh, you know, build things up for the future. They're, they're, they're trying to cling on to what we already have and, and do their best for, from things falling apart right now, right? Um, yeah. Especially with the pandemic and everything. It's like, uh, I don't think most people are thinking about how are we going to make things better you know how we're going to fix the economy it's just how we're going to stop everything from collapsing today uh which i guess yeah so how how can you have a long-term uh, perspective with that i i kind of almost don't blame them <laughs> i mean you could yeah no i mean um they they truly seem to be stuck i mean brexit was one option right and it was an option that what like a bare majority of the british people who decided to vote in that referendum went for and then turned into a giant um clusterfuck for many years and really seemed to derange your politics in oh, a way yeah, that something yeah. had it in it, a while. it was all trump really like right. uh obviously it manifested in a very different way but the only reason it could happen is the same reason that trump could ever happen because people were, you know, sick and tired, and because we had gone through eight years of a uh, of a depression and uh, stagnation and things like that, um, people wanted to change, uh, and many people wanted to change for the wrong reasons. Much like with Trump, uh, like there were straight up just a lot of people who voted for Brexit because they wanted less immigration and, and stuff like that, and they thought it was going to take us back to the good old days in the fifties or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were other people who thought, yeah, the EU sucks and and yeah i I guess it generally does but one uh weren't insightful enough to realize that well you're only going to be giving more power to the tories to do things it's like you Mm -hmm. know i I think they they thought like oh yeah if we don't have the eu messing with everything then everything will just be fine i don't know it's difficult to get into people's heads like this obviously um but but yeah that's uh in terms of how it actually ended up though it's difficult and so i i'm not like a you know uh, serious economic analysis or whatever so maybe this this isn't too accurate but my understanding is that it's very difficult to judge the impact of brexit and whether Mm -hmm. or not it was actually good because us leaving the eu properly coincided with covid uh so it's so difficult to know what problems are from brexit and what problems are from covid and if there were going to be benefits from brexit whether or not they just all got cancelled out from yeah yeah because you can't control for covid it obviously yeah scrambled all sorts of stuff but there i mean um supply chain stuff um is not of course that's happening all over the world right now there are some very clear one very clear political issue of course which is northern ireland Mm. right um brexit of course that is actually uh, one of the the bright spots in uh, UK politics right now. They they've had it is. God, I forget the name of their party because it's a really weird name. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce whenever I see the word. Um, but they've had a um, a, a party uh, become like uh, have the majority in, in a vote recently. That uh, Sinn Fein. Are you Sinn Fein. About? Yeah, yeah. That, that yeah. Sinn Fein. I'm sorry. I, I should know this, but. Uh, um, uh, it's okay. That's uh, you know you, you just need a, a partially Irish American from the northeast. Well, the thing, I'm half Irish, so like I really, <laughs> oh, I really okay. should. No um, excuse. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, I come from the people who were running arms over there a hundred years ago. So oh, nice, nice. I think for I think for people, especially in like northeastern America, like older cities with like large Irish backgrounds. I mean, IRA and Sinn Fein is like, you know, it's something close to our hearts, and also the reason why. Um, Joe Biden also, too, has been actually good on this stuff because Biden is, of course, an Irish American and yeah, uh, yeah. part of that whole sort of like quasi Republican Republicanism sort yes, of mindset yeah. in the United States. But yeah, Sinn Fein is one of majority in Northern Ireland uh, because Brexit threatens the Good Friday. Exactly. The historic yeah. peace accords. Uh also um, negotiated by a Democrat, right? Clinton went over and, mm. and tried to to help with that. And now um, uh, customs blocks going up between uh, the Republic of Ireland, which is in the European Union, and of course Northern Ireland, that uh, colonial outpost there, uh, part of Britain, threatens to throw this entire peace agreement up in the air. And one of the big reasons for or one of the big things that came out of the good friday agreement was an end to to border checks um 
for political reasons, obviously, because it became this serious point of tension over the 20th century, having one part of Ireland separated from another by like armed troops standing at, uh, you know, these these border posts. But now it's it's funny because you're seeing like an economic border post, the potential of economic mm-hmm. border posts being put up. So it's almost like a post political political mess over there that threatens. I mean, I don't I don't know if anyone thinks we're going back to the troubles, but Brexit certainly increased the tensions while also increasing the possibility that under the Good Friday Agreement, uh, North and the rest of Ireland uh, can actually throw a referendum if they vote for it for the yeah. unification yeah. of Ireland. For the first and that, time that would be really crazy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there, there are people projecting that. Oh, it's the end of the United Kingdom, which you know, very based. Inshallah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we'll see how that pans out. In terms of England itself, though, we we are very much in the stranglehold of the Tories, and it, it's so depressing. And and you know what? We should get off parliamentary politics because it's only goes yeah. so far. But 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 it is kind of depressing that like really, if you if you tally it up, there are probably more leftists or lefties. Uh, in Britain or, or England than there are conservatives, but we're more split among different parties and uh, and, and the Tories uh, obviously have way more uh, hands on the media and stuff like that. So for that man- yeah. manufacturing consent and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's it's the same kind of thing. It's like, yeah, we have a bunch of scum dancks here, but like we don't all deserve this. <laughs> like, no, no, I know. I, yeah. I, I'm constantly talking shit about the Brits and about the about the English, but I don't mean the good yeah, the yeah, good yeah. English, the good Brits, <laughs> the working class Brits. The, the, of course. The the ones that we should be fighting for. I mean, that's like um, the Labour Party has, and, and then we will get off uh, parliamentarism, but I think this is important for us when we're talking, uh, we're trying to ground a class politics in this. The Labour Party obviously comes out of the Labour movement. Um, it is nominally, was, is nominally a socialist party. Although the famous quip, of course, is that um, the Labour Party or politics in the UK is more Methodist than Marxist. <laughs> so it's always been a kind of amalgam of different uh, mm. forces there. But it really seems like the Labour Party as a vehicle for any sort of um, even tepid social democratic reform is just out the window. So what's so what's left? Yeah, and that's the thing. And actually, so when you're thinking about kind of long-term possibilities in the UK, the Labour Party is kind of central on that. I know we said we get off parliamentary policy, but this is kind of still off of that now. But like, you know, so you've got all these trot groups and like their biggest split is like, okay, do we form our own political party or do we do entryism into the Labour Party? And, you know, the ones who, who say we have to do entryism are saying, because it is the vehicle of social change. It's where the working class rally in times of uh turmoil and things like that and and obviously um corbyn supposedly would support that but i think there's actually a lot to be uh talked about there i don't think it's actually that clear cut anymore uh the last time you had any serious um uh power going on from the actual like the explicit like the trotskyists was the 70s Fucking the militant tendencies. Ago. The mili- yeah. yeah, the militant. Yeah, fifty yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. and they they act like it was still twenty years ago. You know, like they right. <laughs> in their minds this was just the other day. Like then, and it's what they completely they- different class composition. Mm-hmm. It was in like the the fading era of empire, and mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to now where Britain is trying to reform. It seems some sort of uh, Commonwealth imperial network of of capital accumulation yeah, yeah. um just like the the deindustrialization and the financialization of your economy could not be a different situation it feels than from 50 years ago yeah and i think when you're thinking about the labor party as the rallying point of uh, the working class that needs to be taken under the context the unique context of like well we we hadn't dealt with the the blurification of the of the labor party uh before that like Corbyn is our first attempt to really take back the Labour Party and, and have some genuine working class movement in this country. And it, it was a it was a massive failure. Uh, so it's like you have to ask, you know, is is Blairism is what Thatcher has essentially done to the Labour Party? Is that irreparable? You know, is, is that something mm. that that can and, and there are there are plenty of Trotskyists who will tell you, yeah, yeah, we just have to we just have to wait till the next one and, and, and the one after that. And eventually, you know, things will things will sort out. But I think but then there's the difficulty of that where it's like, okay, well, if, if you accept that like the Labour Party is really 
dead now for forever um and we might get another corbin who tries to do something at some point but that can only work off the back of something external you know behind that um what do you do instead is that kind of thing because because making your own party is still effectively useless uh unless you have on the ground movement to support that i mean you know whenever you know any of the great revolutionaries they whenever they talk about the 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 party of the working class this is only uh, to work as almost like a litmus test of how much power the genuine on the ground workers uh, working class movement has um and it's like it's so difficult to to think about how that integrates into conventional politics now um so it's like i think i think really the the uk left has to seriously uh do some self-reflection on you know what's what's our end game here what in 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 the best like plausible scenario what's happening and where where are we and putting our focus on and i think uh well it's not even so much that people don't have ideas it's that that most of them aren't even thinking about this in the first place which mm. is the real problem like so many of these groups are so are so stagnant and so stuck in in the past where they are still thinking it's the 70s and give it another 10 years and we'll have mps as part of the socialist party again or whatever um and uh it's it's really difficult um in a way i almost think the us is better off in this sphere than us Mm. because you do have your your crazies like the 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 communist party usa um Mm -hmm. But but in in a sense, then you have also other groups like the DSA, and the DSA are, are awful in their own ways. But they're also, from what I can tell, as like an external observer, strangely refreshing. Where, yeah, yeah, where it's like, well, it's it's something kind of new. It's something kind of like people are getting excited about this, and this is reaching into to like a younger generation, which aren't necessarily always just thinking about trying to vote in another social democrat. And that is what the the DSA does orientate itself to do but a lot i feel like a lot of the line members are willing to think beyond that in a way yeah for sure what what i'm saying is you don't have that kind of generational um establishment which kind of leaks down into the new members and and all this almost this cultish vibe of of the kind of um you know setting down the party line which has been curated for decades in a very specific way and and there's absolutely no departure from that um that we very much have in pretty much every leftist org over here um even after the uh the incredible collapse of the socialist workers party what was that uh 10 years ago or so oh yeah yeah swb is still around doing their thing like you know okay yeah well let's so let's um switch gears here uh as we as we maybe wind out the the main episode so so we're talking about um parliamentary politics here in the anglosphere um i guess there's more to the anglosphere than the united states and yeah i did i did want to give a passing reference to any like genuine activism on the ground action that does exist i wanted to say but we didn't quite get into that but it's fine there isn't a huge amount to say about it anyway but just as a kind of shout out like i do want to mention it is there and that if you are british and you can you should get involved in it but anyway yeah and if you're in the DSA and you're doing good work in there, uh, don't let um, his uh, his dismissal turn you <laughs> away from that. Yeah. Uh, DSA is very a very interesting, complex, and contradictory organization. And I agree with your assessment about the um, the electoral aspect of it. I feel like the idea of um, uh, pushing the de- the Democrats left or putting up candidates within the Democratic Party or trying to grow enough power within the Democrats to do a dirty break with the Democrats seems like it's reached um, certainly an end, uh, its limits at this point in time. Mm. And maybe that's a conversation for another day. Um, the one theme that runs through your, uh, your videos is very non-parliamentary, right? It's that you take... Um, the process of production and the relations of production very seriously. And that's something that we do, of course, on this podcast as well. I, I feel like it's like the, the critical heart of communist theory, uh, of Marxist theory. Um, two things. How? Do, why do you think that this realm of politics, because it's an entire tradition of critique of political economy that goes back, you know, 100 and something years at this point in time. Why do you think that this particular realm of politics gets such short shrift these days in the UK and also in the United States? And how do we, big question here, 
how do we try to um, produce a politics adequate to that critique, especially since we're talking about the, the exhaustion of, I think, um, very standard uh, boilerplate understandings of how uh, positive social change can come about, like capturing the Labour Party or capturing the Democratic Party or whatever. Big question. Yeah, yeah. Ready for some big thoughts. <laughs> big Maybe a new video time. can come out of this. Yeah. <laughs> God. Um, okay, so to address the first part, why do these strain of ideas get kind of um, neglected? Um, I think there, there are two main reasons as to why that is. Uh, one is the second international. <laughs> um, all right so we're going back to uh pre-1914 baby yeah. let's go all our problems <laughs> just come back down to that really <laughs> you and me are both wearing bowler hats and uh you know we just got off the job site uh mm -hmm. doing carpentry work in a full suit and uh we're going down to uh to, to the second international oh, yeah. meeting and we're trying to do socialism no no i, I mean I'm half joking with that, you know. I'm assuming uh, we have canes also for some reason. Uh, just a very, <laughs> very cane vibe there, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel you. I could, I, could, I could go for it. All right, so um, I've got a wooden cane, and you've got one of those really... No, no, I'm done. I'm, done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm setting an entire, like, scene here, but it's it's not... No, I love it. It's not actually happening. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so I think it's that kind of thing of... Um, that that leninist departure in a sense which you know if you want to get speculative can be drawn back to the second international of like uh Kortsky's influence on lenin and how that's been passed down to trotskyists and mls and then the workerism of the soviet union and the the kind of um redefinitions of of socialist values through the the stalinism and the socialist uh, the, the soviet union and stuff like that i i think that's a big part of it really if you want to be like quite historical about it like why you know it, it, it it's like a historical hangover that we that we have as the left of like this these damages which span back a hundred years in and have popped up in various ways um yeah we're still just kind of dealing with that in in one sense so when you do talk to the average uh trotskyists here in britain or or even ma many of the of the diehard communists in america and, and stuff mm -hmm. like they, they they still have these kind of um yeah you know we, we just need to uh seize the means of production and centrally plan the economy with the dictation of the proletariat and nationalize all industry uh under the party and then uh and then things will be all right kind of thing you know um i think i think that's in their minds the the true content of communism is always on the horizon right mm -hmm. uh that it's not really a goal they're strictly concerned with to be spicy about it and i don't think they're as bad but they're in the same vein of essentially market socialists who are like well communism would be great but it's not realistic so we're gonna advocate for co-ops and a market socialist economy and then one day we'll, we'll reach communism kind of thing it's mm -hmm. that same mindset where it's like well you're not seriously engaging with the content there and yeah the reasons to why that is i think traces back there but then touching on the on the market socialist side of it as well, I, I think the, then the dilution of socialism over time to the point where we have now where it's like socialist is anything from uh, Bernie Sanders to, you know, maybe to some people like even even just any standard Democrat kind of thing, you know, right. uh, all, all the way to, to the hardline communists and everything in between. So then you end up with people like... Uh, to name names and again get spicy you get the whole bread tube crowd of like mm. contrapoints and philosophy tube and h-bomber guy it's like they're all great people but like again their, their actual political content is is lacking oftentimes uh, and at, well actually contrapoints especially whenever she talks about marxism these days it's just oh yeah um yeah uh which brings me, i reminds me by the way i need to talk about my contrapoints video coming out at some point but anyway oh please so, so, we'll do plugs at the end yeah yeah sure sure um but but uh no so so you've got people like that where it's like they're kind of almost i want to say skittish about about radicalism so it's like they 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 pay the lip service and everything but they don't really have the content so it's it's free to be filled in by anything else mm. uh which often is kind of these same misinterpretations uh filled in by, like carried on by uh marxist leninists and and stuff like that even if they don't end up being explicit stalinists or whatever like that um and, and then and then 
slightly further left of like say bread tube in specific you have people like Vosch for instance and and that sphere where it's like they have even more of the aesthetics and pay even more lip service but it's like then their, their content really is just essentially the market socialism um maybe a a, a less um spicy example of, of Vosch might just be uh Richard D Wolf kind of thing you know yeah, uh, to, yeah, to yeah. keep things a bit more civil I'm sure like whenever you know <laughs> <laughs> I don't suspect that Richard Wolf is going to be listening to this episode so exactly. let's drag his ass yeah. so. <laughs> that's for um, another date so the thing is you have all of these different tendencies and currents all sitting under the same label um and I think we've actually seen this really uh kind of intensify as as a as a division over the last few years uh, with Twitter sock Dems, right? Where it's like, you know, most people call themselves social Democrats on Twitter. Like it used to be that if you were a social Democrat, you thought socialism was cool, but you didn't think it was realistic, but maybe one day you'd be open to it. That's the kind of, that's the kind of bread tube contrapoints position, I feel like. Mm. But now you have this new kind of almost, I want to say, neoliberal sock dem, the, the kind of destiny types and, and, and yeah. weirdly somehow adjacent to the Vorsch types as well. Where it's like, no, actually, no, they, 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 they hate socialism. They don't think it works. They think Bernie Sanders is cool and they think the Scandinavian model is cool, but they're explicitly anti-socialist. And that's a more recent development. And I think it's, it, it's this weird manifestation that we've had because of the historical circumstance that the term socialism has gone through, where you had all these people all kind of collectively together uh again under that same umbrella in the same communities but then as things have progressed as um people have developed their uh political stances more in response to worsening conditions it comes out more and more that actually we don't want the same things and we're not quite in the same group and i've been saying this for years but you know (laughs) i i i feel like you know that that sort of False unity, false harmony, left harmony, uh, left unity, rather, that uh, that other infinite horizon that is never reached, but people talk about all the time. I mean, a lot of it comes back to, again, uh, the 2016 thing, right, is that there was for the first time in in ages like a a chance for a, a parliamentary breakthrough of something that approximated well, so, social democracy, essentially, reformist social democracy on both sides of the Atlantic. And so there was actually was formed online and offline an actual unity behind this one, these two particular candidates and these two particular parliamentary movements. But then in the absence of that, I think, like you said, all of the differences start to come out. Um, but and people, do you know, do you know where I think that those that unity was like properly broken? Now that I think about it, actually, it's 2020. 2020. George, George Floyd riots. Like right. that, that's where it, 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 things were like actually brought, brought into perspective. Like, okay. What if insurrection is on the table? Then what? Mm. That's when you start getting the, the the people showing their true colors. Sorry to interrupt you there, but I was, I was no, going no, to get I, that. I, <laughs> no, I think that I think that's very right because it, it never was an actual theoretical unity, and it also wasn't a practical unity. There's no theoretical practical unity inside, say, the DSA or what's your thing in the UK? Momentum, Momentum UK. Is Ooh. that even still a thing? I don't even know. I don't think so. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it might be, I might be, but right now there are some people who have gone from let's push the Labour Party left from momentum to let's push momentum left and then push <laughs> the Labour Party left. <laughs> I mean, the, there, there's, there's another potential avenue for um, some sort of unity, I think, or at least uh, some sort of coalition or whatever of all these disparate groups that you're talking about with disparate ideas. And it's one that um, we would have hoped to have arisen uh, by now, uh, eight years into a recession uh, with politics and society going kind of crazy. And that would, of course, be in the UK, in the US, in France, Germany, everywhere, uh, the rise of uh, a new working class movement on the shop floor, Mm. um, which we have not seen. We have not seen independent working class self-activity in a big way. We've seen it a little bit in the United States. I don't even know what it looks like in Britain, if you guys have had any real breakthroughs. You have a, a, a rail strike coming up, right? Wasn't there like that's, a that's 89%? Been happening, actually, yeah. That's been happening. 89% strike authorization vote over there. So yeah. I, I feel oh, like... Oh, no, sorry. Um, we do have another coming up. Sorry. We, we, yeah, we have a lot going on with rail at the moment. We, we've had like London Underground closing a lot, and then we've got RMT doing their thing and i was recently reading about how they were in a legal strike uh, as in a legal not illegal uh Mm -hmm. but they still got arrested um and and stuff like that so there's been some stuff happening there so we've got labor action there for sure um but 
I, I am tempted to say it, it's not anything new that we haven't seen before kind of thing. I think what's more exciting about the US is like things like the Starbucks and Amazon unionizations. Yeah. They, they are a bit more novel than, than what we're seeing. We also had uh, something called the Great Resignation, which people are still trying to figure out. But, uh, you know, massive uh, quitting mm. on the part of millions of workers every month. It's tough to tell, of course, whether that just means, oh, I'm just going to get a better job or if it uh, signals some sort of larger discontent and potential for some sort of uh, organized activity. The, the jury's mm. still out. I don't think yeah, that the Starbucks or Amazon. optimistic like optimistic about that personally. I think that's just because... I follow the Zizek uh, philosophy where of, um, if you're pessimistic about everything, when something good does happen, it will be a lovely surprise. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, probably a good way to go about things. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the, my tendency, because we're, we're talking about, we didn't even get into the mass shootings in the United God, States, yeah. two of them within two weeks dozens of people kill and what 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 can what more can be really said at i did this point i did have time. some it's... things I, I wanted to discuss about that but i just wanted to finish off the point the first yeah, point please. of the question um so in terms of yeah you've got in terms of why um genuine marxist ideas and philosophies of like of uh anti-work i think is a it's a good umbrella to use mm-hmm. um of, of why this is so neglected i think it's because just so much of what we ordained as the left community uh are these these different types of groups which aren't really radical when it comes down to the line when they're actually faced with the right material conditions they go the other way um and then this kind of confusion and this kind of absence of a real analysis kind of leaves it leaves anyone who really is radical to be filled in by the more uh leninist type uh, understandings of what so I, I think you've got this, yeah, this dynamic of the kind of half-hearted sock dems. Anyone who tries to go further from that is only met with the pre-established, um, that generational, uh, the, 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 the historical hangover of the, the Len- Leninist type groups, whether it be ML or Trotskyist or whatever, mm-hmm. um, who then transmit on these these hundred-year-old misunderstandings of Marxism. So it's like anyone who is lucky enough to, to, to break through all of that and try and get radical are then being fed even more misinformation. So I think it's just a, a, a unfortunate historical happenstance of, as to why we find ourselves uh, with the type of politics that we do and the type of priorities uh, within, with the left that we do. Um, in terms of what we can do about it, Oh, I don't know. Um, you know, uh, I, I guess the the best thing is trying trying to address the the organizational stagnation is, is the biggest thing. The way I see it is that we're in need of new ideas, especially with organizational theory. Um, but we don't have to come up with those ideas. We just have to create an environment where people are open to those ideas. Yes, and then yeah. the ideas will naturally on on organically come about they may already exist they may already be out there but we just don't know because not we're not looking for them kind of thing um, well i've got I, I i came up with an idea last night and i'm gonna uh i'm gonna shoot it by you yeah, in yeah the bonus yeah, uh, <laughs> let's let's get into our bonus uh do you want to plug anything and then we'll we'll come back and do another 30 35 minutes or something uh uh yeah sure um okay so I'll put the links to all your stuff in the show notes so people can find it there. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, obviously I have a YouTube channel, um, so link that, I guess. Uh, sure, sure. Uh, link my Twitter as well. Although, honestly, I feel like more people probably know about my Twitter than my channel these days. <laughs> I've been neglecting it so badly. But um, uh, all I'll say is that I am still making YouTube videos. It may not seem like it, but you know, I've, I've had a lot on. I've just started a PhD and then finished my uni before that. Um, but I do have a video in the works um, on ContraPoints. It's going to be like 40, maybe 50 minutes long. And okay. I hate to sound like one of those stereotypical hype YouTubers, but I really do think it's probably one of the best videos I've ever made. It's Hell really, yeah. uh, it, 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 I don't know. Uh, did you see that video ContraPoints made on voting before the 2020 elections? I did not know. I haven't been following her for a while. So she basically, it was meant to be a call out to her followers to vote, which is fair enough. Like, sure. Um, but what she tried to address throughout the whole thing was the uh, stubborn 
contrarian leftist who didn't want to vote because mm. they thought the Democrats were the same as the Republicans. And what that then turned into was essentially a takedown of leftist radical ideology altogether, coming down oh. to, well, you could never do a revolution anyway because the US Army are just going to kill you on sight, so why are you bothering? Just vote for the Democrats kind mm. of thing. And, and obviously uh, that was very frustrating to watch because he has such a massive audience and who now believe these things probably. Uh, so I'm trying to make a, vi- a response video to that. And what it turned into was basically a breakdown from first principles of what revolution is, how it comes about, and how it works. And they're actually like historical examples of um, different revolutions. Like I, I'm, I'm doing Russia, Spain, and Cuba, uh, mm. and how all of these revolutions played out from start to beginning, and how they actually were able to seize power, uh, and why they were able to seize power, and how we can kind of learn from that for our own purposes. And like what it comes down to is that basically, obviously, all the discouragements of contrapoints of giving us of like there are no communists, the U.S. government is too powerful, blah blah blah, just don't make any sense when you actually look at history and how these things work. Uh, so it's the type of video that, and this maybe is too far, but it's the type of video that I feel like if contrapoints did see it, I feel like she would be like, you know what, I was wrong. <laughs> well maybe we'll do another episode with you after that comes out we'll have a round table between you and (laughs) i don't i don't think we have the clout to make that happen but uh, yeah i hope i hope you get some some response to it you never know right yeah um but that that's the only thing the only uh quick thing i would mention is that obviously look out for that video but because i haven't been making videos too much recently uh the algorithm hates me uh, and this definitely mm. is a, a, a stereotypical YouTuber thing, but I can't avoid it. You have to ring that bell. <laughs> you have to turn on notifications. Smash that like you, button. Yeah, I know. You, you got to smash it. Because otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, you literally, you won't see my videos. You, you can subscribe to me now for the first time and I'll put out a video tomorrow and you won't see it for like two months or something. Like, it, it, it's, it's fucked. Well, 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 we'll help boost the hell out of thank it you, when it comes you. out. So <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for being with us and let's go uh, behind the paywall and get, uh, get spicy. What do you say? Oh, I'm, I'm down.